Welcome back to the Going Going Gooner podcast. This is episode 22, part one. In this part of the episode, we'll be talking all things New Orleans Saints and the NFL. As always, I'm your host, Arjun, joined by Kyle. And this podcast is brought to you by your party station, Z89. And drop us a follow at Pod on Twitter. So Kyle, we have a lot to talk about on this one. We've got Saints free agency news. We've got some draft trades. And we've got some scheduling news too. So you want to start us off? I will take it away. So we're obviously, this is the first episode we are discussing New Orleans Saints offseason moves, not involving Drew Brees. Technically it does, but we have that episode dedicated. It was one whole episode we discussed it. Retirement. So we will just put that note out right now that Drew Brees did retire. We do understand this. We're going to leave that for now. Uh, I am going to start off with the New Orleans Saints, the players that the Saints have either released, not signed back, traded away, or signed somewhere else. So starting this list off in no particular order, Drew Brees obviously retired. Uh, Josh Hill is now a Detroit Lion after leaving us, our tight end. Jared Cook is a San Diego Charger. Uh, Los Angeles. Los Angeles Charger, my bad. Still stuck on that San Diego vibes. Uh, Nick Easton left, I believe. I don't remember where he signed. I think he signed somewhere. Uh, Thomas Moore said was released. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is a Buffalo Bill. Uh, Quan Alexander is a free agent. Janoris Jenkins is a Tennessee Titan. Uh, Justin Hardy is a New York Jet. Trey Hendrickson is a very rich Cincinnati Bengal. Uh, Michael Burton is uh, playing side-by-side with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Sheldon Rankins signed again with Justin Hardy in New York with the Jets. Malcolm Brown was traded to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Alex Anzalone, uh, I could be mistaken, but I believe he is also a Detroit Lion as well. Correct. And we have not yet re-signed Craig Robertson. Uh, that leaves a very large hole with the Saints. Obviously, a lot of these moves came down to us not having a salary cap. Uh, we did get under it in time for the league year after doing some insane juggling of contracts and some insane releases here, there, or the other. Um, but overall, we made it through it. We're alive. We still have some semblance of a team left. Arjun, take it away with who we have brought in, uh, re-signed, et cetera. So we've re-signed running backs Ty Montgomery and Dwayne Washington. Uh, we franchise tagged uh, Marcus Williams. Uh, James Hurst, offensive lineman, has been re-signed. James Winston, obviously, um, presumed to be the week one starting quarterback, has re-signed with us for another year, as has P.J. Williams, the cornerback. And players we brought in, Alex Arma, the former Carolina Panther, will be our fullback replacement. Um, Tano Passanion, who was on the Chiefs, sort of a defensive end uh, linebacker hybrid, he signed with us for two years. And Nick Vanette, tight end from formerly the Broncos has signed with us for three years. So all, as, as Kyle said, all of those cuts came down to salary cap and we got under it. And um, the main thing that sort of shook me was, you know, that Taysom Hill reconstruction. And I was about to just, all of it, all of it was, is you go ahead, Kyle, you talk us through that. So I will start out by an explanation of what a voidable contract is. Voidable contract is how the Saints have stayed under the cap for this long. They put extra years on a contract uh, where if the player does not retire, 
they can pay out his contract over those years. So it spreads the salary cap hit out. It means you're not getting hit in one year. Uh, you're getting hit in, say, five years. So Taysom Hill had a restructured contract, which is a four-year extension with $140 million. Now, to a lot of fans, when this happened, it was right after Breeze retired. A lot of fans or a lot of NFL people and a lot of people in sports in general were like, this is the stupidest contract ever. Now, if you read the rest of what every person tweeted was, and all four years are voidable. What this means is Taysom's 9.6 or 9.7 million uh, signing bonus is being pushed out. Um, he will be 1.4 million guaranteed roster bonus, 1. Point something million guaranteed base salary plus incentives. Basically, his cap is being pushed out over the span of a few years to make space for this salary that we have now. So those four years, 140 million, don't mind it. It is a myth. Salary cap to the Saints is a myth because we can do things like this, which in all honesty is dumb that we can do this. But it's a part of the rules. Mickey Loomis is a genius. So you know what? It is what it is. Taysom's with us for four non-existent years. Uh, he's, our con- he's our quarterback for at least one more, bare minimum. Uh, and that kind of kicked off people thinking, oh, clearly Jameis is going to be the second string because Taysom's got this huge contract. The contract doesn't exist, and Jameis is going to be our starter. I will state that now, and I'll claim that for the rest of my life until the season starts when Jameis will be starting anyway. Um, I saw I saw a fantastic article today from SB Nation Saints affiliate. They tweeted that uh, it's not really a quarterback competition because of the fact that Taysom fits into our offense as a player outside of a quarterback. So for Taysom, for this offense to work better, Jameis being the starter and Taysom going back to a utility player benefits the team more. If Taysom blows away Jameis in the quarterback competition, so-called, then maybe Taysom could be the quarterback. But how they worded it was what I thought was really clever is that Taysom Hill as a quarterback has to play better than Taysom Hill as a running back, as a tight end, as a wide receiver, as a special teams guy. And I thought that was, uh, that summed it up really well. So I think, yeah. And I think Sean Payton, Sean Payton loves Taysom and Taysom didn't look terrible at quarterback last year. So it's still a little bit up in the air, but their reasoning really holds up. Uh, and we, us re-signing Jameis sort of cements that, you know, there is going to be some sort of competition. There's going to be something that Taysom can battle against. And I've discussed this on Twitter and with friends and colleagues in the industry, which is the fact that Jameis was a first overall pick. He has thrown for 5,000 yards. That is not something easy to do. Drew did it, I believe, five or six times. No other player has done it more than once. So the fact that Jameis did it is a feat under itself. He had a year to study under Drew Brees in the offense, learning it, learning how it worked. And now he's the main cog in the wheel. And the jury is still out on Taysom Hill, whether he's going to be a good quarterback or not in the NFL. He is, I believe, 29 or 30 years old. So I don't know how I feel about that. I would prefer Jameis, the upside, he's got everything. The fact that you can say, okay, we can play Jameis majority of the snaps, but sometimes 
make Taysom not just a wildcat, but make him the quarterback for, say, three or four plays every quarter or whatever. Three or four, like, outside of the wildcat stuff, make him a quarterback. You, now we have the threat of him throwing. But we can threaten it here or there in certain key spots, pull it out of him in the bag when we want it. They can kind of now do that, which makes us more fun for the offense. And I think Jameis will start. And I think what will add fuel to the fire is going to be this draft. Now we're going to save our draft predictions for the next Saints episode. And we're going to discuss the draft more wholesomely. And we'll have on a guest to discuss the draft and what the Saints kind of need and who could fit that role. Um, I would not be shocked if we see the Saints take a quarterback in the first round, I don't think so. Unless we trade up, I don't think we're taking a quarterback first round. I would not be shocked if someone like Kellen Mond falls to us. Someone who you're like, you know what? He's good. I see his upside. I'm going to take him because why not? I could see that happening for the Saints, and I would not be shocked if it does. And you know what? If, say, Mac Jones somehow falls 28, I wouldn't be opposed. I wouldn't be opposed to Mac Jones. Or if Helen Mond falls to us in whatever round it is, or Kyle Trask in the second round, third round. Cool. I'll take that. I'll take him. And you know what? Quarterback competition. If we see Jameis is not going to be our starter, or Jameis is going to be, say Jameis is our starter past this year, we trade the quarterback away next year for a first round pick or whatever. Because as we're seeing currently in trades, quarterbacks can get you a lot in return. And I want to quickly jump to that because the Saints news, we can discuss more in depth when we have an idea of the draft and what we're going to look at in the draft. That is kind of a full roster construction episode we can go through. Is mm-hmm. How the roster is constructed. Uh, but as I said, quarterbacks are now currently moving everywhere. And the big name of note is the quarterback who moved just, I believe it was a couple of days ago. But Monday. It was Recording this on Wednesday night. We the, He moved on Monday. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Number 14, the savior of the New York Jets was traded to the Carolina Panthers, our in-division rival, for a 2021 sixth uh, and then a 2022 second and fourth round picks, which, all things considered, very solid package to get for Sam Darnold. And again, if we say take a Kellen Mond or Kyle Trask and we can get that next year if we don't like them and we like Jameis Moore, cool, I'll take it. That is a happy package I will happily take. And Sam... Honestly, honestly, I think this is a really good deal for Carolina. I think that Darnold is still only 23 years old and he, I'm, I don't hate Sam Darnold as much as some other people do as a quarterback. I think he's got upside, especially with this receiving core that Carolina has Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, um, Robbie Anderson, and Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, Darnold could do some damage with this team. I mean, it's very possible that he plays that he plays well with Carolina. Pardon me. Curtis Samuel is now on uh, the Washington football team. As soon as I said Curtis Samuel, I was like, he moved. But they've got Robbie Anderson. They've got DJ Moore. And especially Christian McCaffrey. I mean, that's a, that's a great guy to have um, behind you. And... We're forgetting. They have the eighth overall pick. That could very easily turn into, if they want to trade up, per se, to four, the Falcons. And they 
want to get Kyle Pitts. That could happen. That is a strong chance that and could happen. Even, even without Pitts, eight is prime for Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, any of these guys. That, if they fall. That like we'll save us more for the next episode, but per se, top three are quarterbacks. Four is the Falcons. They could do whatever they want. Five is going to be Penne Sewell if he's not gone by then. The Bengals need an O-lineman. It makes amazing sense. They have a receiving core already, so they don't need that. So Penne Sewell there. Um, and then six, seven, eight, you've got two receivers going. You got, uh, Chase and Smith will be gone by eight, is my guess. If not, take one of them. And at that point, you're, you're set. You're, you're set if you're the Panthers. But they could trade up possibly four spots straight away maybe even teddy like i don't we're not going to discuss it right now but teddy and the fourth trading up for that pick maybe the falcons say we want teddy we'll try him out anything's possible in this nfl we live in but that happened and the reason we're discussing saying there are going to be quarterbacks selected one two three is because obviously trevor lawrence is going number one that is a given the jaguars are getting lawrence we if it doesn't happen, I think everyone would be shocked. Um, it, it's kind of bound to happen at this point. Number two overall is the Jets. Because of the Darnold trade, it means they're going to take a quarterback. It's kind of, again, a given at this point. I would not be shocked if it ends up being Zach Wilson. I think that's kind of the odds-on favorite to go there. But it could be a Fields or even a Lance or a Mac Jones at this point. It could be anyone, but I think it's going to be Zach Wilson in the end. He's the one who they have seemingly liked the most and who fits in that offense the best. So Zach Wilson, we'll put in that two for now. Uh, we'll discuss this again next episode. Three is where it gets interesting and where trades have uh, kicked into high gear. How should we say that? So what happened, if I may explain Arjun, and you can explain the, the why it happened, is the San Francisco 49ers traded with the Miami Dolphins. The 49ers received the third overall pick and Miami receives 12, and then a first in 2022 and 2023, along with a third in 2021. And then Miami flipped the 12th pick to Philadelphia, uh, along with that and a first 2022, and a, the 123rd pick in this draft, I believe is fourth round, and Miami got six and 156. So Miami essentially turned three into a first, a third, a fifth, a first. And I believe one more pick as well. And also a third. They got a lot back for that pick in the draft. And they're still, still sitting at six, primed to get a receiver. Either mm-hmm. Pitts, Chase, or Smith is going to be there for them. I, I don't know which is going to be, but at minimum, one is going to be there. Because four is going to take a skill position most likely. I would assume, unless Atlanta trades it, then we can discuss this differently. But assuming that Atlanta takes a skill of some sort. The Bengals are the only other team that could take one and say they don't take Panay Sewell and they take a skill position. Then one of the three is left as well as Panay Sewell. That you're either going to get Sewell, Chase, Smith, or Pitts. One of them is going to be left for them at six. They are primed for it. They're going to have a crazy lineup next year. I think my thoughts on all of this. Um, so like you said, I think Lawrence and Wilson will be the top two. 
Um, three will be down to Fields Lance. And recently, a name thrown in the mix has been Mac Jones uh, to three at the Niners. But the Niners, I think they will take a quarterback, but I wouldn't be surprised if they felt that Panay Sewell was generational. Um, if they felt like uh, he is just so good that we need to take him. But with that being said, the Dolphins, I thought at three were primed to take Sewell because, I mean, I think they're happy with Tua. I don't think they would have taken another quarterback at three. I think the my, my take on this was that the Dolphins at three were going to take Panay Sewell. But with them trading back to 12 and then back up to six, like you said, this puts them in prime position for a receiver. And it'll be their choice. It'll be Chase, Waddle, or Devontae Smith. Either any of the three, if they want them. But I think Kyle Pitts is a top five pick. I think he's also generational. He has potential to be a top five tight end of all time. I mean, the, the athleticism on this kid is insane. It's ridiculous. So I think a team's recognized that. And I think Atlanta is in talks to possibly trade down. So that could change if Atlanta trades out of that pick. Because Atlanta trading out of that pick could possibly mean Pitts falling or it could possibly mean a team trading up to take Pitts at four. I was going to say, if you are Atlanta and you can hold out for an offer for someone to trade up for a quarterback, that you just saw what Miami got for the third pick and four Niners traded up nine slots to get there. That was a nine slot trade up to get, so they had to give up uh, 12, two firsts in coming years and a third. If you're Atlanta, the teams that are going to want to move up there to get a quarterback are going to be farther down than that. Looking at Pittsburgh, looking at New England, New Orleans, there are a lot of teams that need a quarterback, possibly, that would move up there. It would you get a pretty penny for that. Or say a team is like, we need a tight end badly. I want Kyle Pitts. I know the top three are all going to be quarterbacks. I want Pitts. This could get really interesting really fast because, as you said, Pitts, generational talent. But let's say a team trades up and gets and goes there for a quarterback. If they want Trey Lance or Mac Jones or whoever or Fields or whoever is left at that point. Yeah, Wilson, Lawrence are gone, one, two. Maybe Jones, Jones, Lance, and Fields, one of them is going to be left at four. Two of them are left at four. A team mm-hmm. trades at four, gets them. Five. We know they're not going quarterback because they have Joe Burrow. They need an O-lineman. They don't need receivers. So they are going to go Panay Sewell. At that point, the sixth pick for the Dolphins becomes the most valuable pick we have ever seen that this far down, quote unquote, in the draft. That that sixth pick, you can get a generational receiver in Smith or Chase, a generational tight end in Kyle Pitts. That becomes astronomically valuable and then say at that point they take pits then seven who i don't know exactly what's off the top of my head i don't remember but it's I, detroit it's detroit at seven they they'd be happy two. with any receiver oh yeah and then at eight carolina just lost curtis samuel they have two deep threats they'll take whoever else is left out of those three this the draft has so many different ways to go and this trade was massive it now means Philly is not going quarterback. We can confirm this now. They got a solid haul for six. I got to be honest. Um, a first 12 
and 123 is solid overall for what they gave up. I mean, they gave up six in the 156 and got that back. Solid overall. They probably could have gotten more, I think, but it's a close enough trade-wise, and they didn't need a quarterback. They were like, you need one. You can get some draft capital here. Why not? And at 12, someone's going to be left over from the top grouping because of how it's going to shape up. That if, say, five quarterbacks go top 10, someone interested is going to be left, maybe even a waddle. Who knows? Um, and this just gets really funky. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. We will discuss this more next week with a draft expert of some sort. We will have that uh, to be determined who will be coming on the podcast. We'll have to wait and see for that one. But next, we want to discuss more Saints uh, possible news. We'll put it that way. Uh, so the Saints obviously are rumored to trading for Deshaun Watson. Uh, Deshaun Watson, in the past, I believe, month, is now up to... 22 um, cases are uh, alleged against him um, from different females um, with uh, sexual assault. So there are currently 22 active cases being searched by the NFL, um, the uh, attorney representing the females, and by the state of Texas. Um, we on this podcast will say this straight up. We do not condone sexual assault in any way, shape, or form, that this is not good in this in the easiest way to put that. That is not good. I will give the, you the floor now to discuss this. It's, I don't know. How yeah. To- I mean, the, the, uh, the discourse around this has been so terrible. I mean, it, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, people have to, that, even with 20 plus allegations that people have to feel the need to say, oh, I think he's innocent still. I mean, the, the entire rallying cry has, for me, for me personally, has been to believe women when they, when they come forward. And it's not an easy thing to do. Absolutely not. So, I mean, Deshaun Watson this morning lost two endorsements, uh, Nike and Beats. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play another snap in the NFL. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that um, someone who I regarded really highly as a player and as a person turned out to be like this. Um, but it's just a testament to that, you know, we have to, how to word this? We, we have to, we have to believe women and we also can't discredit them whenever they come forward because that makes it even more difficult for future um, cases of sexual assault to get uh, reported. People wonder, people wonder why women don't come forward. Just look at what people are saying. It's, I mean, it's a no brainer to me that when, when people say, uh, why don't more women come forward? Come on, man, you know why, you know why. So Deshaun Watson, I mean, with 20 plus allegations, the, a lot of the people I've been saying, seeing have been saying innocent until proven guilty. Well, sure, that's in a court of law. That's in a court of law. He, he's not entitled to endorsements. He's not entitled to an NFL career. If, you know, it's down to the brand. If Nike feels like Deshaun Watson doesn't accurately represent their brand anymore, they're gonna drop him. That's not innocent until proven guilty. That's just how it is. So again, we 
hope that the allegations don't continue to pile on because that's just more women that have been affected by Deshaun's actions. But um, I'm sure they'll, they'll continue to roll in. Um, and again, it's unfortunate. And um, I'm glad we were able to discuss it in a way that doesn't discredit the women and in a way that um, will hopefully encourage more women to speak up about their experiences. I completely agree with everything you said. And something that has kind of stuck with me and you touched on it was the fact that a lot of people have been saying he's innocent until he's guilty. And in my eyes, that's because of who Deshaun Watson is. Uh, if this was someone that was, and I'm not even going to say a name who it could be. If this say was a backup or a third string quarterback and this happened, gone out of the NFL immediately, no questions asked. But because it's Sean Watson, people get defensive and they're like, oh, innocent until proven guilty. He could be my quarterback someday. That should not be how we think about this. It is very clear. We want to listen to everything anyone has to say. The allegations should be taken seriously. Stop making a joke out of them. Stop saying, oh, no, it's innocent until proven guilty. Shut up. Just stop it. Just dead in your tracks. Shut up. Okay. We need to look at a Sean Watson, how the facts are being presented and looking at them. People are saying, Oh, we don't know yet. I call, I call shenanigans. There's a lot more words I want to say, but I will not say them because, um, because of censoring that obviously we are a PG uh, family friendly podcast and we do not want to uh, and use any profanity. So I will not say what I really want to say. But you can assume what I'm. And just just before, just before we move forward into um, some Saints scheduling news, we, I mean the another thing I've been seeing a lot of is that oh, um, false rape allegations are super prevalent. No, they're not. They're just not. I mean, high profile cases like the Duke Lacrosse case. If it, um, if the listeners know what I'm talking about on that. Those kinds of things don't happen often at all. There are hundreds of thousands of women who have not reported sexual assault more than women who have lied about it. It's not even a question. If your first reaction when there's a, a sexual assault allegation against someone is, is that, oh, if this is a fake allegation, she should go to jail. If that's your first reaction, you've got some self-reflecting to do. And that's all I'll say on that. Yeah. Um, and there's no good way to transition, but we're going to transition out of this discussion. Um, not even a discussion. It's just a shame that we have to talk about this. We've had so many serious discussions on this podcast, and it's a shame we have to keep having them. That different, whether it be racism, whether we play at people, rape allegations, anything, we should not have to discuss these topics, but we have to because people are horrible in this world. And it's, it's something we can't now talk about. So we wanted to discuss this. Thank you all for listening to this part of the podcast. Um, we're gonna get back to some Saints stuff now. Um, and this 2021 schedule was released for the NFL. And in that was a 17th game. The NFL is now adding a 17th game. We are moving down to, I believe, three preseason games and then 17 regular season games with a bye week in there as well. So 18 NFL weeks, which is one more week for all of us to watch. Um, meaningful games, quote unquote. And one more week for players' bodies to get hurt. 
that up. Before we talk about the schedule itself, Alvin Kamara was the first player to come out and say, this is stupid. This is a horrible idea because we see it time and time again. Teams limp into the postseason. If you are not perfectly healthy, oh, you're doomed for the season and doomed for the postseason. Mm-hmm. The 49ers had about as many injuries as I've ever seen a team ever have. And they barely made it to the end of the season. And they were starting players you never heard of before as of week 13. So imagine what it's like playing 18 weeks of NFL football. It's just not going to go well. But the NFL put it into the CBA. They can add a 17th week of games, and they did. So here we are discussing the Saints schedule. Um, So obviously, just like besides the six games that are the divisional rivals, um, or you you want to say something real quick? Go for it. Yeah, just before before we get into this the Saints specific scheduling, I mean, I, I'll echo Alvin Kamara's sentiment one hundred percent. It's all about the Benjamins with the NFL. Adding another week, guess what that gives the league? More money, more TV deals. Guess what that gives the players? Like you said, another week to get hurt. Um, I don't like it for a lot of reasons. I do like shortening the preseason. I'll give them that. Um, but another week added on again, there's no reason to, there's no logical reason to except for cash. And, um, another, a smaller reason why I don't like it is that I don't, a team going seven and 10 or eight and nine or six and 11 just doesn't sound right. And I hate it. So that's my little, I hate that so much. I hate it so much. Not being able to go 500 hurts my brain. It really hurts my brain now. <laughs> I mean, you could if you tie a game, but don't do that. Yeah. That's like a perfect 500. That would be perfect 500. Uh, but now going into the Saints schedule for the season, obviously we have the two, the, the three home games against the individual rivals, three away games with them. So that's six of our 17 games. Um, we have the away games we have. We have at New England. We have at New York Jets. By the way, no order on this one. We have uh, New England, the Jets, Philadelphia, Seattle, um, Washington, and Tennessee. We have away. Tennessee is our week 17 matchup, our 18, our 17th game, Tennessee. Um, for the home games, obviously, we have the three division rivals, plus the Cowboys, Giants, Bills, Miami Dolphins, and Green Bay Packers. Now, this schedule does not look fun. When we looked at the schedule together on Twitter, myself and Arjun DM'd about it and discussed it, we said, uh-oh, as our first things, as our first words were, oh, no, we, we're, we're screwed. Um, <laughs> it's, there's no other way to put it. There's no other way to put it. I mean, we're screwed. It's, this is such a tough schedule, and it's going to be a tough division, too. Um, obviously, the Buccaneers, the reigning Super Bowl champions, um, the Falcons are a wild card as always. And the Panthers with Darnold could also be a wild card. Um, tough division, tough schedule, um, away and home. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not optimistic. Um, yeah. but hopefully, hopefully Jameis Winston proves me wrong. And that, that week 18 game is especially interesting. Uh, Saints Titans. We played the Titans last um, in the 2019-2020 uh, season. Uh, I think that was in Tennessee, and we came away with that was my came away with a win, I believe. Michael Thomas set the record for catches, yes, and receptions. I remember that game. Yep. So that was the last time we played Tennessee. In Tennessee, obviously, they're they're still a solid team. 
um, shoring up their defense, their, their offense. I mean, they're, they're going to be a good team. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we'll have obviously a full breakdown. We, we're still four or five months away from, from, from kickoff, but and it's not looking pretty. It's not looking pretty. That based on just last year's results, excluding the six division games, because those are always hit or miss with where they could go. I mean, we beat all of them this year, but in some years it's a full swing in division games, whatever it is. But for the general games that I'm like, uh-oh, Tennessee, Washington, Seattle, all not easy opponents. Philly beat us last year. Uh, Green Bay, I'm not looking forward to that one. Buffalo, Miami, not going to be fun. Dallas, New England, always very intriguing games because of who the teams are. So, and even the Giants could be a wild card game. Like, there's, uh, this is not a fun, this is a very, 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 very tough schedule for us to draw. That a lot of people will overreact after the season. Say we have a poor season. Say we go um, seven and 10 or eight and nine. It hurts to say that. But say yeah, it does. The reaction will be the Saints suck. Their team is horrible. No, we probably are going to be worse than we were last year, but this is a ridiculous schedule to have. Mm-hmm. I will just, it's not an excuse. That is just me stating this is a tough schedule to get. A lot of these teams made the playoffs or got really close to last year. And I mean, Miami, like not an easy game. There's, there, I'm, I'm not looking forward to this season, uh, schedule-wise at least. Game-wise, yes. Schedule-wise, heck no. So we will discuss all of this at some point, uh, breaking down the entire schedule, and we have an idea of when the games are, who we're playing, what our team's going to look like. But make sure to tune in for next episode, for the Saints episode, when we discuss the New Orleans Saints draft prospects, who we could take, who could go where, the roster construction, how it looks, what we need, what we don't need. Uh, and it's going to be a fun one. I will very happily say that. I am continuing to do my research on who we should be taking in the draft. I have an idea currently of what we need, what we should take. But we will discuss that with a draft expert and the two of us right here on the Going Going Gooner podcast. Make sure to check us out on Twitter at Pod for all New Orleans Saints breakdowns and news. When the Marcus Williams signing happened, I broke that down on Twitter, um, broken down multiple other things as well. So make sure to check that one out um, and make sure to check out episode 22, part two, where we discuss all things Arsenal and Champions League. And this has been a wrap for episode 22. For myself, for Marjun, we will talk to you all later.